Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. There is one more very exciting announcement that is hard to do it complete justice, but there's been a passion and we've stumbled into a model of church where on a Sunday we have four congregations three here and one at Milneton, and somehow God has allowed us to navigate that. I will tell you it was never a big strategy. I'll tell you, I know no one stood on a mountaintop and saw these lights at different times on a Sunday. It's not how it happened, but God's gracious hand has been with us and allowed us to build in a model of church where we've been able to have congregations without necessarily having to just build bigger buildings and fill them. God's allowed us to multiply and release leaders and release people into more and release more preachers. And three years ago, a, a, fire red, a fiery redhead who, who preached the word of God with passion needed to go preach the word more. And um, the one option was to send Gabe and Fee off into the hills, say, good luck, see you later, plant a church. And, and, but we've actually been able to navigate where Gabe and Fee have been a part of this team, continue to lead and pioneer the Milneson story in the morning and done an incredible job in that. We see that um, God has called us to do that again. And to pioneer again. And for one reason, to reach far. If you don't know what we're on about, it's on the wall. So if you ever get lost about what we're on about, it's on the wall. We want to reach people who are far from Christ. We want to raise them up in Christ and release them for the kingdom of God. But all of that said, God has opened up an incredible opportunity in partnership and love. And, and with, to partner with an incredible church in the city called St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church and their facility to plant an evening service in the city of Cape Town later this year. Which is very, very exciting. And uh, it's only exciting if we want to reach more people for Jesus. It's not exciting if we want to just fill it up with uh, more people who who are looking for another church option. We want to reach people for Jesus. And God is, we'll share the story a little later on as we get closer to the launch date and the reasons why and the the words that have come to reinforce and encourage what has been happening behind the scenes. But I'm really excited to be partnering here. Right there, it looks just like a big old building, but I'll tell you, this has been an incredible landmark in our city. It's a gateway point to our city. It was the first church in Cape Town and South Africa that opened their doors fully as members to people who were slaves of that time in 1827. A prophetic statement to the nation that this will be a landmark of transformation to see more transformation come to our city. A powerful statement that we celebrate. And as a local church, they're still doing that. And they still want to see transformation come and involve many projects, which is profound. And then in the cities, the last church to host a full-on revival in our city. The hippie revival in the 60s. And um, did I say cities? It's been a long day. Did I say 60s? Okay. It's all good. In the 60s. One of the premier, there was a whole community in the center of Cape Town, I forget the exact area, but a hippie community that lived and worked, and, and one of their leaders, the influencers in that space, gave his life to Jesus and started going to this church. Next minute, they were having revival meetings, night after night, every night, to see revival come to our city, and many of those became church planters, saw movements planted beyond, and, and we get to do church in this incredible space where they are so, it is seeded with promises of God, it is seeded with revival, it is seeded with transformation in our city. And, and we get to partner with that, and it's a great, great privilege. So we're really excited. We'll give more details about how that's going to be a part of, how it affects us. As most of you live in this area, we'll do church in this area. Maybe there's a desire to be a part of a pioneering story for a season, but we'll give you more details, possibilities. Next month, we'll start having worship nights in the city on Wednesday nights and, and um, giving opportunity guys to go and worship in this incredible facility that has the best acoustics in our city. 
And uh, we're going to go and worship there, pray, trust God for revival. And um, I, I don't know what it looks like to you, discomfort, pioneering, it's never comfortable. But God is with us, and we believe God is leading us in this way. So that is very exciting. And uh, we would just make sure we're all on the same page, bringing the church up to speed. Is that good? Let me give you some other things. I mean, that's the inside. Built in 1827. And the amazing thing about this building, it was built by two other churches so that a Presbyterian church could pop up, so that a, a church could fully exist and allow access for people to worship freely in the city. It's a sign of unity, of, of empowerment in our city, and, and a key, as you drive into Cape Town on Somerset, you know where Somerset Street is by Truth Cafe? It's right next door. It's in the heartbeat of the city. You know the most amazing thing? Who gets 130 free parkings in the middle of Cape Town? We do. Yes, we do. So we're really excited to do church and to reach our city. Are you excited? Wonderful. Good. Good, 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 good. What's that? I'm excited for tonight. I'm going to preach really short and, um, and, and share a simple word. It is Father's Day, and normally we're in our series, and we stick to our series. Mr. Phillips is going to finish off the series next week. I just want to take a moment to encourage, to share into this thing of fathering and Father's Day. And it's not a whole theological debate I was looking at. We understand there's much confusion, there's much pain. When you mention the word father to people, for some people it's a great thing, but actually for many people it's an absent thing. It's an abusive thing. There's a painful reality. And so as people engage this concept of God, because please understand, our Father, one of the greatest things that changed from the Old Testament was this concept of God as Father. People got God as Lord. They got God as King. They got God as Judge. They got all those concepts because those concepts were foreign to them. A foreign concept was God would be Father. And Jesus comes and He says, I bring you not a way to a new religion, not a way to a better life, not a way to making right decisions. I bring you a way to the Father. Christianity has a destination, and it's not the perfect life. Christianity's destination is the perfect Father, the glorious Father, as Ephesians tells us. That's the destination of Christianity. And so we have to undo some learnings. We have to undo some things. We have to take off some limitations we put on God because of the concept. But as we come on Father's Day, it's a great day to honor our fathers in this world. And I would encourage you, even if you haven't had a good one, even if your one's been average at best, the Bible actually tells us that actually honor your father and mother. It'll go well with you and you'll live a good, long, good life, long life. It doesn't say if they were good. It doesn't say if you would give them eight out of ten, only call them on Father's Day. I would encourage you, if you've had a distant relationship or an absent relationship with your father, work hard to do everything you can to restore that and see life come to that story. But, but as I was contemplating who to speak about, I thought about some of these amazing fathers in the Word. Uh, go back to the beginning and, and Noah and, 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 and the promise. God comes in. Let's be honest. God loves a man with three sons. Just saying. God said, this man is righteous. It's a consistent truth. He says, this man is a good man, and I want to bless him. And so I admit, there's no one else in his generation who's righteous. I want this man to represent me. I want him to build something called an ark. And I want him to take his family. It's going to take 120 years. Imagine his kids. I mean, my parents, my kids sometimes say, come on, Dad. Imagine Noah's kids. His 47-year-old kids. Come on, Dad. Ah, not more building an ark. It's not raining. I mean, can you just imagine? But imagine the day it rained. That's my dad. Woo, I'm in. <laughs> Suckers. I mean, it's just the whole game changes because he was a man of faith. He did everything God commanded. He chose and God's favor was upon him. And his family and his family alone and their wives, just saying, 
marry good sons, that his family alone gets saved from this great tragedy, and then God gives him a covenantal promise. It'll never happen again. Gives this man Noah, a father, a covenantal promise. What about Abraham, the father of many nations? You can just imagine the kids. Dad, I'm doing the maths. I'm 67. How old was mom? As she bore child in old age, and Abraham believed and is renowned as a man of faith. He's a father of our faith, but he's also a father of the nations. What about Jacob, a father of the tribes? What about David, this father who creates a, a, a platform for his son to run and to step into more and hands over this massive kingdom? It's an incredible thing. These are all amazing pictures, but I want to preach on a father who doesn't get a lot of credit in the Bible. Just four simple points. From a father who doesn't get a lot of credit in a pretty big story. My title tonight is the, the Father God Chose for His Son. Sneaky. The Father God Chose for His Son, a man named Joseph, who got a mandate. I don't think God just looked down in His all wisdom and all knowledge and said, well, I just need Mary. He knew they were betrothed. He knew there was a future story there. And when He looked, He said, I'm going to pour my blessing into that story, and I need a man to adopt my son on the earth. I need My son needs a father on the earth. Then I'm going to place him into a family, and in that family, there's going to be a man named Joseph, because there's things in that man that I like, that I see, that represent me on the earth. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I, I have the privilege of having a will, and in that will, it's pretty important. I don't care who my car goes to. You can have it. My golf clubs, you can have it. I really do care who my kids get looked after by. And I really do care that those people, the big thing in their story is not just their ability to provide or put a roof over them. I care their ability to reveal the Father in heaven to them. That's what's really important to me. And I think when the Father was looking around and said, I'm gonna, my son is going to the earth. I need him to have a Father in the earth that represents me. He looked around. He had options for days. And he saw this couple, Mary, in her purity, in her innocence, in her naivety, in her ability to trust God and Joseph, who made a promise. And a couple of simple things about this man. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 1. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people for their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Can I have a water, please? I want to give you a first point, just four simple points as I look at this father. And I think it's important. It says in verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant. And Joseph didn't want to embarrass her publicly. So he decided in his heart to break the engagement quietly. When I look at Moses, I see a Joseph, I see a merciful man. A man who fought to not shame this amazing lady named Mary. His first response before God had spoken to him, an angel only appears to him after the statement. But before an angel even appears to him, he chooses to have mercy on her. He chooses not to shame her publicly. I don't know about you, but imagine your girlfriend you're betrothed to comes to you and says, well, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. 
Never happened in history before. It's never happened again. Please understand the importance of betrothal in those days. Betrothal wasn't, well, put a ring on it and we're good. Betrothal in those days was a 12-month contract between parents where the parents of both sides would get together and they would form a contract and it would be a 12-month contract and in 12 months' time, that couple would get married officially. Why 12 months? Because it's longer than nine. It's important. Because they wanted to make sure there was no skullduggery, there was no days of our lives happening in this story. They wanted to make sure that this was an innocent bride and as promised, she had saved herself for this marriage and any child that would come from this marriage would come from their family line because their family line was really important. And yet Joseph steps into this mess and gets thrown a curveball and he chooses, first of all, not to shame her. Fast forward a few years and you get Jesus, a man who had an earthly father who was full of mercy, who had a natural father on earth, an adopted father, was full of mercy. And Jesus comes to a situation. There's a woman on the ground. She, there's a woman. She's been caught in adultery. She's guilty. How does Jesus respond? Gets on his knees in the dirt. Starts writing something. He says, whoever he hasn't sinned, you throw the first stone. Maybe like father, like son. Maybe like his heavenly father and maybe his earthly father not so much. But, but he got an earthly father who was a merciful man. And I think there was a father in heaven who planned that out. And so we can learn some lessons. Maybe the lesson is for us fathers here today to grow in mercy, to be like our Father in heaven, to understand that our heavenly Father, we need to grow in the ability not to shame. In the way that we would discipline our children, the agenda and the objective is not to shame them or to humiliate them. The agenda is to grow them into more of God. But maybe you've had a harsh father who didn't show you mercy on this earth. Maybe a father who didn't spare you shame. Well, then know this, that God chose a man to father his son on this earth. He chose a man of mercy because he is a God of mercy, a father of all mercy. I love the scripture, 2 Corinthians 1. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions. God in heaven is a father. He's a father of all comfort. You just need to have little kids in your house when they bang their heads or something really sore goes down. They want the comforters in their life. And the comforters aren't the Xbox. They're not a TV. They're not toys. The comforters are a mom or a dad in this story. The second thing I see about this man, Joseph, it says in Matthew 2, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until you return, until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And it says immediately that night, Joseph left for Egypt. I see a man who was a protector of his family, even though he could have gone, well, that's not my kid. Let's just be honest. Herod's coming. This is the king of their age. This is the one who could bring the greatest judgment on them. Herod, Herod had all the, 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 the battles behind him. He had the kings behind him. He had everything behind them. And Joseph says, actually, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to fight for my family. I'm going to protect my family. And he protects his family. He takes them. And all the other kids under two years old get killed. Herod's a protector. You want to know, young men, what it will be to be a father? You're going to have to protect. My buddy, 
I've, I've got, I've got a, a voice. I see this little guy, and he's not the biggest guy in his year. I see these big Afrikaans boys running at him on a rugby field. I want to run on there and smash them myself. But then I realize they're only 10, and you get in trouble for stuff like that. So you, you can't do that. But there's, an, there's, a, there's a natural response inside to protect, to fight for. And Judah's here today. When grade one, he came home. He moved from Durban just before grade one. And um, he got in a car and he asked his mom, Mom, what's a dwechi? He's laughing now. If you don't know what Afrikaans means, dwechi means dwarf. And I hear that and my heart breaks. I want to go do something about this. Go tell kids. But God's his father. And I'll protect and I will fight and I'll put things in place to protect them, even if they think those things are hindering them. But there's a God in heaven who's a protector. And maybe your father on earth hasn't been that protector. Maybe he's just gone missing, absent. Now, fathers of the Father in heaven is a protector. And he's calling us on this earth to be the same. Why? Because there will be a time, and every in, in, obviously babies and young babies are little Benji Phillips right now needs Fiona a lot. Needs Gabe a little. Let me say that again. Needs Gabe like little. But there will come a time, as there always will, where there's a reference point. That reference point is a father's story. And if the father's absent, some other voice will take that place. It's unfortunately what happens. Some other voice will speak. Some other voice will lie. Some other voice will determine, who am I? Why am I here? What are these stories? Am I good? Does anyone really love me? Those are realities. And there's a father who protects. The third thing I see about this man, it says that in a time, it was all going chaos and, and, and Joseph's life was coming unraveled. And it says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He's considering that his fiancee, who he hasn't slept with, is now pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So he doesn't fully get it, but he's considering it. And he says, but then an angel of the Lord appears to him. And the amazing thing is about Joseph, he listens to God. He receives the word from the angel who had, he confirms it. It says that he had an understanding of the, the word of God and what God had spoken his word before. So he has, hears the rhema word of God, but he also has the logos word of God that speaks to him. And in both those things, he chooses to respond in faith. What does it mean to be a father in this time? And I challenge this morning, obviously in our morning congregations, we have more families with kids, but, but to have faith stories. If you're going to be a father one day, if that's the desire in your heart, or if you are a father now, I would encourage you, don't just have a faith. Most of the world have a faith. Have a faith story. Which means put into action the faith that is in your life. Make decisions that your kids will look at, and they'll go, Dad did that because of faith in God. And take them on the journey. If finances are tough, don't just... Don't, don't lie about it. Don't try hard it. Take them on the journey. Say, guys, what are we going to do? We're going to buckle back on those things. And what are we also going to do? We're going to trust God. We're going to get up early and we're going to pray. And we're going to petition the good God of heaven. Although I am a father of this earth, there's a father in heaven who gives even greater gifts. Take them on the journey. Give them faith stories. Don't hide them away. Don't, don't be scared to inconvenience your children for the kingdom of God because a faith story comes with inconvenience. Teach it to them young that when they're older, they will kick into it far easier. Because the world are going to teach him a thousand other things. But I promise you it won't be this. Faith in Jesus Christ alone. And it's hard. 
and it's costly, and it demands a whole bunch of things. But that night, it says that night, Joseph got up. There's the that night of God. It's, the, it's a father who gets a, a word about a sickness over his young, a soon-to-be born, recently born baby who chooses to go to a prayer meeting and petition God in faith. Yes, every emotion inside of him. I've done that meeting where a doctor said, your son's going to be Down syndrome. I've sat and paid huge bucks for a meeting with a guy who didn't really care, and we chose to believe in God where everyone else says adopt. We've done those things. But it looks like faith because one day there's a father in heaven who's not going to ask, did you have a faith? He's going to say, tell me about the faith stories in your life because your kids were watching. And Jesus gets put in a home where a man starts responding in faith to a word from God. I'm not sure he's a father in heaven, but that father chose a father for his son. And what this world needs are signs and wonders of front-footed, faith-filled Christianity. Not more people who can tell a story about someone else's faith. You want to father and be a father in this world? Maybe you say, well, I don't have kids.